Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn. And today, more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. Today's segment is with Cox Enterprises. It's probably one of the largest family-owned businesses that you've likely never heard of. There are over 50,000 employees, 21 billion in terms of revenues, fourth generation family owned. This is a company that in the last few years went on an incredible journey to uncover its purpose and then to continue to apply it through principles and their values within the organization. But it's also a company that's pivoting. It's pivoting from the older parts of their business, Cox Communications, to new parts of their business, clean tech, clean energy, sustainable food and agriculture, businesses that bring purpose, sustainability, and CSR from the periphery to the center. Businesses that are needed, and that will be responding to huge societal challenges in the years to come. Joining us is Bob Jimenez, Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs from Cox Enterprises, and his colleague, Maury Wolf, who is AVP Corporate Responsibility and Public Affairs at Cox. And I asked uh, Bob and Maury, what does AVP stand for? And uh, I think we just, it might be associate or assistant vice president, but we really feel it's awesome. So it's awesome, Vice President. This is an extraordinary story of a privately held firm that has remained relevant over the times. And you're just going to love this conversation. It's a great interview. And listen to both parts. You will learn so much. I did. Welcome, Bob and Maury. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't we just start out with um, both of your roles and your time at Cox Enterprises, advancing corporate responsibility and community affairs. So a high level, and then we're going to dive into all of the juicy stuff. All right. Um, well, Carol, first of all, thanks so much for having Mari and, and me on your program. We've been really excited to, to share the Cox story because it truly is, we believe, uh, uh, an American business success story. Uh, and one that is still in the making after 122 years. So um, I joined Cox in 2003 uh, from the Walt Disney Company, where I've worked in public affairs. Uh, and I currently lead corporate communications and PR, our corporate responsibility efforts, uh, and our meetings and events and corporate travel teams that support our roughly 50,000 employees. And what really excited me about the role of Cox was the opportunity to build something. So the first few years, uh, I spent my time stabilizing and growing the corporate communications function. Uh, but in 2007, we formally introduced our public affairs practice, which coincided with our launch of Cox Concerts, 
which is our company's sustainability aspirations and goals. And I know we'll be talking more about that in a little bit. So our sustainability work has just really taken off since then uh, into, uh, you know, not only getting our own house in order, but also investing in and acquiring businesses that are solving some of the world's environmental challenges. Mari? Thanks, Carol. And thank you for having us. Uh, I joined Cox just about two and a half years ago, which means I'm a brand new freshman by Cox standards. Um, employees tend to stay for a long time because they really love the company. Uh, and, and I was brought over by Bob to come and really lead bringing this great history we have around so much civic engagement, so much community um, commitment and environmental sustainability together with a clear strategy. Um, so we, we knew we had a really great history of engagement, but how did we want to drive that forward? Where did we want to play? And what role really made sense for our company? So it's been a really exciting time to um, think about the future for Cox in the space and how we both engage employees and um, the external market. So excited to talk more about that. And what excited you the most about joining Cox? Because you came from um, you came from Coke, and so you you know they have great programmatic um, areas. And so, what excited you? Yeah, I, I you're right. I spent some time both at at Coke and at IHG, um, two great publicly traded companies who do a lot in this space. What was really exciting to me and sort of always on my uh, career bucket list was to work for a large privately held company. Um, and I really think no one does this better than Cox. And, and that's really think about the generational investment um, to really be able to make decisions that are not tied to uh, share price, but really tied to how you want to impact the world, the business, the employees for for decades to come. And so the idea that I could come and be a part of that with this team, thinking about how we truly make a big difference over a multi-year platform was, was really exciting. And we're, we're finding in our interviews with privately held companies who recently did one with Mars, that that long-term view is so, it's such an opportunity, but it needs to be leveraged in an appropriate way. So, Bob, let's, let's just start with a little bit about the traditional businesses of Cox. And then why did you set out to substantially evolve how you do business by identifying your purpose and tying it back to your heritage while looking to the future? Well, um, you touched on the very beginnings of the company, Carol. So, um, you know, founded by James M. Cox, a farmer, a teacher. Um, he became three-time governor of Ohio and then, as you said, presidential candidate. So he lost the 1920 election to Warren Harding. Uh, and we feel much to our benefit because... After that loss, he really began to plow his interests and his energy and resources into building uh, what at that point was still uh, uh, a new business, a small business. So he started in newspapers and purchases first in 1898, as you said. And, um, and he was really a, a forward thinker and an innovator. So as other media were invented, he quickly embraced the new technology. And he learned from it and grew it. So in the teens and in the 20s, when radio became commercially viable, he started purchasing radio stations. 
And then in the late 30s and 40s, when television hit the scene, he got into the television business. Uh, and then in the 60s, when cable TV came along, uh, the company grew into that business as well. And then in the late 60s, Cox uh, de- made a departure from kind of that media space and purchased its first automobile auction and grew that business called Mannheim uh, into what it is today, which is the largest global vehicle remarketer in the world. Um, so, so we see James Cox uh, as the ultimate entrepreneur, ultimate innovator, and really helped shape the vision and the values uh, for our company today. And then you lean strongly into defining your purpose. And you worked with one of our favorite people in the world, Simon Sinek. So can you talk a little bit about like why all of a sudden you came to this point, you've got great values, they're helping to guide you forward, but you wanted to do more? So four years ago, uh, the company announced that Alex Taylor would become our president and CEO and the fourth generation family member to run the company, which in and of itself, as Mari kind of alluded to, is really exciting to be around. Because most companies, just uh, private companies, don't, don't last that many generations, not, not viably anyway. So we immediately began working on a way to introduce him internally and externally as our new leader. And we ended up leveraging a partnership we had with EY at the time to work with Simon Sinek. So they had a, an exclusive relationship with Simon. And we worked together to develop the, the company's purpose at this really critical time in our history. Uh, and it was an amazing eight-month journey of discovery, of bringing in the voices of all of our employees to, to land where we did, which was, which is uh, empower people today to build a better future for the next generation. That's our purpose statement. And, uh, and, and it was an interesting process, which I can go into if you'd like me to. Uh, it, you know, it all started with, with uh, Simon and Alex. And uh, Simon worked with Alex to really tease out his purpose. And what Simon will tell you is that everyone's purpose is inside of them. And what he's so good at is really using his techniques, uh, the way that he uses storytelling to help people and organization, organizations find their why, which is exactly what he did for us. So he started with Alex, then our senior team. Um, and then over the course of months, we invited employees from every corner of the company, frontline, part-time, middle management, employees at headquarters, field employees, executives. And we delved into the stories that those employees had either heard about or live themselves. And that really captured the essence and the spirit of others. And we heard some amazing stories about courage and inspiration and selfless actions and competitive spirit. And then we asked employees across the company to share their stories as well. And we boiled all of these stories uh, into a list of words that captured what Cox was really all about. And Alex was involved every step of the way. And of course, related to, to many of the stories. Uh, and then it was, I'll never forget, it was one very cold Monday morning at EY's offices in Times Square. Carol, I'm sure you know where, the, where they are. 
Absolutely, uh, yeah. Where we met Simon to to land on our purpose, and there were probably six of us in the room. Simon started talking uh, or asking Alex these probing questions about the stories he'd heard and you know how it aligned with his own personal purpose. And and I'll never forget Alex uh, said, um, and I just can't get this visual out of my mind because it's still so so prominent. Uh, well, what I see is a group of employees sitting around a table, working together, solving problems. And no one is telling them what to do because they're empowered. And they're building better solutions and creating the future of the company. And they're, they're doing this so that the company can thrive for the next generation. So, you know, it's his family's business. So it's all very personal to him. And, and he, of course, is always thinking about the next generation, right? So uh, after he described what he was envisioning, <laughs> this is the part I won't forget. There were a few seconds of silence. Everyone just kind of looked at each other with the exact same thing on our minds. He had just articulated the purpose. And then Alex became CEO in January 2018. And then uh, the very next month, uh, he rolled out this purpose at a senior executive conference with 100 of our senior most folks. Uh, and then to all the leaders throughout the company, then it was followed by, by an all-employee town hall webcast. Uh, and that's how the purpose was born. Did, did you have any challenges along the way? Did Alex question his engagement? Because many companies, you know, you'll get an hour with the CEO, but then they push it down to their C-suite colleagues. No challenges in that front. Alex uh, was invested into this, and, and he knew... Um, you know, this purpose is a, is a direct reflection of his values, his family's values, and this, um, this commitment that he has, um, that, that now he is the steward, right? He's the one that has been asked to take care of this enterprise and to deliver it to the next generation in an even better position than he was. Um, so he was involved every step of the way. You couldn't have you couldn't have told him to to back off or, or not. Be- That's great. <laughs> he was like, "No, I, this is this is my work. I want to be involved." So, <laughs> and so, Maury, I'm I'm curious when you were going through the interview process, um, you know, how much did the the purpose and its articulation come through? So the company and, and Bob's team had just done all of this work and just launched the purpose. I think. Um, probably while I was interviewing. So it was real time coming to life. Uh, and for me personally, you know, the idea of, of change, of building something is just so incredibly exciting that it was sort of sealed the deal that to come in on the front end and figure out how this is going to come to life. Um, our work as the corporate responsibility team is not the only way our purpose comes to life, but in large part, we hear from employees that, these the programs we offer, the venues we supply for them to participate is really how they participate in the company's purpose. Um, so it was just a really incredibly exciting time to come in and think about what's the next step, how does the rubber meet the road, so to speak, in terms of the employees engaging in day-to-day activities that help support them. Well, that's great because that bridges us t- to the next area, which is that you have the why, but then you need to get into the how. And we always like to say um, at Carol Cone on Purpose that um, if your purpose is your North Star, 
that every North Star needs a constellation to bring it to life. So can either of you give an example of um, how you use purpose to decide to, excuse me, how you use purpose to guide decision making? Yeah, I think, um, I think it guides all of our decision making. It's, it's really fascinating that when we make proposals or when we think about next steps for the business, um, it is never just with the question of the ROI um, or the capital investment. It is always with the question of the ripple effect, whether it is for employees to participate or for change in our community. Um, in fact, there were several presentations when I first started that I, I made to our executives where they told me there's too much ROI and not enough about how the employees were going to feel. Um, so, I mean, it was just a remarkable learning experience for me where I realized how much this was really embedded in the hearts and souls of everybody, including our leaders. Um, I think a really recent example for us is about our response to voting. Um, just this year, you know, as, as Bob told you in our history, we have an incredible connection to civic engagement and have always really supported our employees having voice and making sure they have access to voting. We've done a number of things this year to help encourage that, but one in particular was to give every one of our full-time employees six hours of paid time off to go vote. Um, so they're working with their managers to vote early, to vote absentee if they want, to vote on election day, but really wanting to make sure that they have that freedom and flexibility and comfort to take the time off they need to go do that. There's obviously not a, a bottom line benefit to the company, but we so much believe that having employees have a voice in building what they see as a better future. I think that's a, it's a great example of how it comes to life. Let's take a break and talk about the numbers. We talked about they're being founded in 1898, so that means they're going to be 125 years in 2023. Um, they also make significant community investments, and over the past two years, they have invested in terms of funds, in terms of volunteerism, in terms of in-kind donations, almost $235 million. noted on your website that you have guiding principles um, such as do the right thing always, uh, lead by example, bring out the best in everyone, uh, make a little music, which I'd love to know some more about what that means, and do it all in the spirit of Cox. So did you find that it was absolutely critical to take these principles um, as well as your values, and tie them into how the how employees should be bringing the purpose to life. 
I think you nailed it, Carol. Uh, I mean, a purpose without action is just some really great words, and <laughs> and folks can feel good about it. But but clearly, uh, for us, I mean, we we use it as you know that lens through which we make all of our decisions. Uh, so whether it's and, and with with all of our constituents as well. So whether they're customers or employees or suppliers or the communities where we do business. Um, so we use it in corporate giving. Uh, the organizations that uh, that we feel will have the greatest impact and the work that really aligns with what we feel is important and and what we uniquely as Cox Enterprises offer to the world. Right, we're in media and we're in automotive, and there's certain things that we really are good at, and we think we can uh, share that expertise uh, with the communities where we live. I mean, with suppliers. You know, we want to make sure they share our values uh, in this space. Uh, we ask our employees, uh, of course, uh, first and foremost, to, to to live the purpose. And and it's amazing because the organization has uh, this unique way of uh, of determining kind of who fits in and who you know dives with the purpose and and who kind of really falls outside of that and has a way of correcting that. And individuals who don't feel it. You know, will eventually work their way out of the organization. Uh, individuals uh, who really feel it, uh, we feel it's really uh, strong uh, attraction. You know, mechanisms for for talent and and whatnot. So we we put it across and use it against every every decision we make, and uh, and it really does align with with who we are. So I'd, I'd love to lean into the evolution of your business, because this is one of the most exciting things for me um, about how your purpose really drives towards the future. So you have three new business units, connectivity, mobility, and sustainability. Now, maybe not new, but a new way of defining. So what led to this restructuring? And what was Purpose's role in that? And then we want to get into some of the new ventures because they're really delicious. So you're right. It's not really a formal restructuring, uh, but more of a, a way that we talk about our businesses. And this this all came from Alex, uh, Alex Taylor, our, our current CEO, who, who talks about the business in this way. So Cox Communications is in the connectivity business, right? So that's the connectivity link there. Cox Automotive is all about mobility and they have uh, hundreds of engineers and, and uh, strategic business people all thinking about how we can really make a stake in, in that mobility space. And of course, we have great interest in, uh, in sustainability and have for, uh, for years and years. And there's a just a great little story about how and, and when that kind of, when that started. But um, so, so uh, you know, purpose lives throughout each of these organizations and it comes to life uh, in those organizations, in those, those verticals, you know, connectivity, mobility, and sustainability in, in different ways, but all interconnected and all, um, and all kind of pushing and leaning toward, toward the same direction. So I love the way this new definition and um, your purpose is really leaning you into the future. Also, the ability, because you're privately held, to invest where you want to invest and also in, and look to the long term. So you've got new ventures. You've got them in clean tech, in clean energy, 
in sustainable food and agriculture, among others. So you've taken perhaps previously siloed actions in sustainability, and you've moved them to the center of new business ventures. That's very exciting. So can you talk about, both of you, um, some of these new ventures, and what are you really excited about in terms of where you're going forward? One of the things that's so exciting is that overall, uh, we are standing up a new pillar of our business. So where we have had our history as automotive and now mobility, where we have our uh, Cox Communications business, we are now setting up a clean tech business. So all of these investments fall under what we are calling clean tech. Um, And we have aspirations for this to grow into its own business unit, a multi-billion dollar business unit over the next 10 years. Um, So we're really excited about what can come to be. So right now we are um, investing in a variety of spaces there, um, but with the intention that just like automotive is focused on mobility as a whole, clean tech will be focused on um, the sustainable technology of, of the future. And I think that on its own, that premise is a great example of our purpose coming to life. It's an intersection of environmental sustainability and new technology growth being the future of business for us, which is incredibly exciting. Now, what about sustainable food and agriculture? Why are you going in that direction? You know, it's a it's a natural outgrowth uh, from our uh, research and and what we have looked to do in in the sustainability space. But it's in uh, response to what we believe and, and what researchers tell us will be a huge demand going forward. It's just as as you know the the globe continues to warm, as we have more and more demands on uh, food supplies throughout the world. We feel that there there will be a need for greater um, producers and manufacturing of of vegetables and and food across the board. Uh, So it's really in in response to what we feel there is a great need uh, in the future. And so, and to lean further into finding great ideas, um, you have a social impact venture that you launched with Techstars. And so it's interesting, as we're analyzing the most purposeful companies that are growing with great speed and thoughtfulness, they, one, thoroughly embed in their culture. They build off of principles, which you have. But they also, each one of them, have these social impact ventures to identify and stimulate the ideas of tomorrow. And I know when I visited you last, I think it was last year, or it might have been before the pandemic, um, you were just about to announce the winners of your first class. So can you talk about why you're invested in Techstars and perhaps who won? Sure. So um, it's, if I can take a step back, one of the interesting things that we're doing is we see the next wave of startups as a great place to invest in the Atlanta ecosystem. So Techstars is one of a, and probably our most marquee of a number of investments that we make and really trying to bring startup infrastructure to Atlanta. We think Atlanta is um, the right city to really compete with the West Coast. We've got amazing, um, you know, sort of titans of industry. We have such a broad range of different companies in the Atlanta market. We think we've got lots of investor potential and great brains. And so 
Um, part of Alex Taylor's vision for growth in Atlanta was to really put Atlanta on the map in this startup ecosystem. So we've been investing in that in a number of ways, and Techstars is, is really an exciting one. Um, we have two Techstars programs. One that we started about five years ago that has um, been running each year, and we, we sort of internally refer to it as Techstars Atlanta. Um, and it's a three-month accelerator. Ten startup companies join us for the three months with a managing director, mentorship with um, introductions, with ability to run pilots. And they're really said to grow about two years of startup growth in that three-month period of time. And as we were thinking about how we continue to build um, engagement around corporate social responsibility and our purpose, we had this idea to add a second accelerator, the one you mentioned, Carol, Techstars for Impact. So they run um, in rotation during the year, but they run in exactly the same way. It's the same construct, but the impact program focuses on for-profit companies that are coming up with uh, great ways to solve environmental and social challenges. Um, and so we don't really have winners. We have 10 companies that join the class um, that we have invested in, that Techstars invests in, and then we continue, um, we sort of partner with them for life, so to speak. We continue after the class to, to help them grow and thrive. This first inaugural class ran from January to April of, of 2020. Um, so they had to pivot in the middle of COVID. But interestingly, a number of them were education technology companies. So while they had to make a, a really big pivot, they also were able to find ways to thrive and to help their communities um, and constituencies grow in a virtual environment. So it's always sort of interesting to see how scrappy startup founders can make the best of a tough situation. And I love what you're doing here because you're investing not in just what's great for Cox, but you're investing in the Atlanta community and you're bringing your purpose, empower people today to build a better future for the next generation. It's the, I think you talked about the ripple effect. So you've got the clarity of your purpose, and then you're making sure that you're employees and you've got new divisions, but you're taking it beyond your four walls. And that is a best practice, and it shows something that we'll call like the look of a leader. It's not just the look, it's the actions of a leader. And I know that, Bob, you said that, you know, that your principles help you to act. You just can't talk, you have to act. So um, that's a very exciting. Yeah, go well, ahead, Bob. One other thing that, that I just have to mention. Uh, first of all, thanks, Carol, for for uh, for those kind words. But you know, we we really do strongly believe that our purpose is greater than uh, than just uh, making money or earning you know earning revenues. Clearly, that is important, and uh, that uh, keeps us going uh, from you know for the next generation. But 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 Alex himself and Jim Kennedy even before him and you know we'll say that there, there's much more to this organization than this. I mean we want to be able to have as you put that ripple effect to be able to bring other individuals, communities, uh, particularly ones in need, uh, and, and help you know elevate them and, and raise them in the process. One of the one of the things I wanted to mention also is since uh, Mari mentioned pivot. Uh, I'd love her for her to talk about how we're pivoting with our Techstars uh, social impact 
program for next year. Uh, this was not in the plans, uh, but uh, but we are uh, pivoting for next year's class uh, in a real meaningful and relevant way that I'd love for her to talk about because we just announced it last week. Thanks, Bob. Um, yes, one of the things that we're really interested in is continuing to try to marry this idea of solving the world's greatest problems with our skills and innovation. So um, as we were reacting and um, addressing all of the social justice challenges that have really um, been loud and clear this year, we were doing a number of things internally and externally that a lot of companies are doing are very much the right things to do. Um, looking at our own um, demographic data to make sure our employees are reflective of our communities, investing in nonprofits that are really solving uh, civil rights and social justice challenges. But we wanted to take it a step further to see what else could be done. So we are shifting the focus of our Techstars impact program to recruit 10 companies that are specifically solving social justice challenges. Um, this won't be the solution to all of the change that we need to see, but we think it's a really interesting way to think about how the startup community can find unique and different solutions that haven't been tried yet. So we are in the midst, actually, of recruiting that class right now, um, and we're really excited to see what can come from um, the innovative thinkers focused on racial, racial justice. And I bet you've been overwhelmed with interested parties. We have been. It's been interesting. It's not just the companies that have been flocking to apply, but the the mentors that have reached out to our managing director, Barry Gibbons, who manages that program, the investors who have said, I can't wait to see what you come up with. I'm here. I pledge to be alongside you. Um, we're very excited to reach out to the other major corporates to see how they want to engage with mentorship and pilot programs because we can't do this alone and we can think of no better time um, and no better location. What a great place to be in Atlanta, the home of the civil rights movement, to bring all of these intersections together. So we're, we're um, just as interested and eager as anybody to see what comes of it. Well, we, we can't wait to see who you choose and then what they um, invent, per se, um, and then the potential impact. So so doing that is extraordinary, and, and congratulations for the pivot. And, and I think that, again, best practice companies um, that are purpose-driven at the center, they are flexible, and sometimes an idea will come along that they have an openness to reviewing and embracing that companies that are not purpose at the center just have a much more rigid approach. So kudos to you. We'd like to pause for a moment and we're going to have a short segment called In the Know. is what I'd like to share with you about data and information that's driving strategic and authentic purpose work. I'd like to share with you some research from Morning Consult. It was done with 
11,000 influencers, informed publics, investors, and such, and it tested 48 attributes to better understand what actually drives CEO reputation in the minds of key decision makers. What was astounding to me was that of the top 10 drivers, five, including the number one, were related to social purpose. Number one, the CEO is contributing positively to society. Number three, is leading their company to make a positive impact on the world. Number six, demonstrates a sense of responsibility to act in the best interest of customers and society, is authentic and real. This is powerful research that you can use to make the case to advance investments in your work, as well as increased strategy, integration across the enterprise. This can be found online, Morning Consult, and the um, article is called Bigger Than the Boardroom, Evolving Expectations of Today's CEOs. This is incredibly powerful, and um, if you've used it once, that's not enough. You have to use it again and again and again and again um, to make sure that it breaks through. The expectations of CEOs today from investors, the leading public, um, knowledgeable publics, as well as influencers, key opinion leaders, it's about getting engaged with society for business growth and societal impact. Now let's return to our interview. I want to bridge and go backwards for a second because Cox conserves that um, I did help um, a bit way back uh, some years ago. Um, it's it's almost ten years old now, and um, I know that your previous um, leader James Kennedy. This was one of his, you know, it was really special to his heart. So, can you talk about Cox conserves and how it has evolved over ten years? Um, as you have really um, crisply defined your purpose. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick in there. We're actually in, in our 13th year, kind of the formal formal launch, but there's a, there's a story that, that Jim Kennedy tells uh, that I just have to share here because I think it, it's really instructive and really uh, kind of um, helped put him on the path and this company on this path. So uh, anyone who knows Jim, knows that he really is a lifelong lover of the environment. And uh, he's done so much to preserve land for people than, than just about any other private citizen. So, so it, it clearly is in his genes. But he tells a story from the 70s uh, of when he was asked by his son to, to come to school for career day. So you remember that. So kids' parents come, tell them what they do for a living. And Jim recalls going to his son's class uh, and being asked a, a real, a real probing question that just bothered him after, after the fact. So, to give you context, uh, at the time we owned about fifty newspapers across the country, and we were a, a major player in that space. So, the student asked Jim, "How many trees do you cut?" All of those newspapers, <laughs> and. That made him think, um, and it was an important moment. And almost overnight, 
we uh, across the board changed the way that we published our papers. So, so back in the mid seventies, we were the first major newspaper company to print one hundred percent of our newspapers on recycled newsprint. So that was so. So we were actually in that sustainability and recycling uh, place way before it became you know really sexy or really the the in thing to do. Um, so that's kind of where it started. So uh, I share that story because it's just so instructive, and 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 he kind of uh, laughs about it, and and it just kind of talks about how it how it made him think. Uh, that's the first I've heard that story too. I, I love it. <laughs> um, one of the, one of the parts of um, Cox Conserves is that you wanted to again ripple effect across your businesses, and so um, you created something called the Chairman's Cup. So can you talk a little bit about, again, what that was and how it engaged others um, to embrace Cox Conserves? Yeah, so our Cox Conserves targets are are very simple. Um, We want to hit zero waste to landfill um, and be carbon and water neutral, and we've got dates set for that. But I think um, what's helpful to know is that, that sort of at a minimum, we want to have zero impact. And now we're starting to have conversations about what we can do beyond that. What, you know, A, how can we get there even faster? And B, what can we do that goes beyond reducing our impact and becomes additive and beneficial for the environment? Um, And one of the ways we want to bring that to life for our employees is to make sure we're harnessing the great spirit of innovation and the great ideas that, can come from 50,000 brains strong across the company. Um, so the chairman's challenge runs each year as a competition to, to harness exactly that. We share our work with our employees. Uh, we um, provide a platform for them to engage. We have sort of an internal channel called Cox Impact where our employees can participate in environmental or community or inclusion and diversity or wellness activities. And within that, we host this annual competition where we gather from them, what have we missed? What are you seeing in your day-to-day action that we could do better to reduce our footprint, whether it's waste, water, energy? Um, and and then when we find out about it, we bring it to life. Um, so it's, it's interesting. This program on itself has to continue to innovate. So years ago, we were getting really great ideas about big investment capital projects. Um, that we're, we were seeing across the business. Now that we've done a lot of that work already, we are starting to pivot the program to be much more about how employees can impact their own footprint. So whether that is in the ways that they commute, the way they operate side of desk, or now that we are all working from home, we're looking at new ways to bring that program to life so that they can reduce their impact um, during the day in this virtual environment. So we'll have a new a new chairman's challenge next April that will be much more um, flexible about this virtual space so that employees can bring that same passion and energy to their home workplace as well. So that that program on its own continues to innovate, though the spirit stays strong. Well, the spirit's very strong. So how do you measure it? Um, Again, as Bob said, you've been doing this uh, for about 13 years, and you constantly evolve it. So what sort of measurement do you use to know, yeah, we should go in this direction, or we should pivot to another? 
Yeah, we, we've been measuring our environmental footprint across the business for several years, um, you know, through an internal tool that was built by our engineers at our, in our Cox Conserves team and by our IT team. But it's an interesting question, Carol, because this is actually a place we're making a huge change right now. Um, as one of our big goals is to not work on environmental community initiatives alone. We want to do what we do best, bring the best ideas that we can, but we also want to make sure we bring others along with us and find the skills and resources and talent from other companies. Um, and we've realized that in order to really do that, to be part of the inspiration for the future, we need to be a bit more public about how we're sharing the work we're doing, how we're sharing our lessons learned, those successes, and, and the places where we, we learned and had to course correct. Um, and so in that effort, we are really changing the way we report our environment, community, diversity data. Um, uh, we're looking at all of our ESG reporting, so our environmental, social, and governance reporting, and making some big moves to both stand up the technology we need internally to gather all of that data and report it, as well as what, um, how aspirational do we want to be um, sharing that with the market. So to give you a sense, Alex Taylor has even now started an ESG subcommittee of the board to oversee all this work and to really push us to be leading best practice um, in the marketplace. So this, despite the fact that we're a private company and don't have the same pressures public companies do to report, uh, we want to make sure we're keeping it, um, up with the transparency and best practice. Again, I hear this consistent theme of ripple effect and scaling and sharing and um, being very positive about, it sounds like you talk about the good and you also talk about the things you're missing. So um, again, great actions, best practice that, you know, one of my favorite companies is Unilever and I see so many of your actions that are just mirroring, mirroring um, what Unilever is doing. So, so kudos to you. Cops Conserves was a very dear to the heart initiative for then leader of Cox, James Kennedy, started 13 years ago. Again, it supported their purpose to empower people today to build a better future for the next generation. We're going to stop here because this segment is so rich, we're going to cut it in two. When we come back, we're going to look at the initiatives of Alex Taylor, fourth generation in the family, and how he is using their purpose, empowering people today to build a better future for the next generation through many innovative on-the-ground STEAM education initiatives, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Because the challenges of today need to be addressed by young people with vast curiosity, confidence, and capabilities developed through STEAM to come up with radical new solutions. So stay tuned.
all live here. We all share the same environment and natural resources. Just imagine what would happen if we work together to do the things that really matter. Approximately 72% of what we send to landfills could be recycled or composted. But what if we don't send it to the landfills at all? If every household in America switched to paperless billing and had their bills sent to them electronically instead of by mail, we could reduce solid waste in landfills by more than 800,000 tons a year. In the U.S., we throw away about 50 billion paper cups every year. That's a stack that would go to the moon and back roughly five times. By just using a coffee mug or travel cup instead of paper cups, we can dramatically cut back on garbage bags, trash trucks, and tons of waste. The average American throws away about 185 pounds of plastic every year, but it's one of the easiest things to recycle. An ordinary plastic bottle can become everything from patio furniture to carpet, t-shirts to playground equipment, toys, and more. What if... We reduce, reuse, and recycle. What if we do the things that really matter? Just imagine the positive environmental change we could create in our communities. Just imagine how we can change our lives and our environment forever. At Cox, we're not just imagining positive environmental change. We're making it happen. We can do the things that really matter. It's our world.